Hi, I'm Greg McDonald, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait those broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview And we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold Your East Fife and Scottish Football Podcast I'm Michael McCall. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Gordon Henderson. And once again, we are Douglas this week. Or are we? Luke, we're not Douglas. There's Yay. my dog. That's a very cute, that's a much cuter dog than our one. Yeah, she sleeps a lot. Mexican rescue. I love my Mexican girls. My second <laughs> one now. Well, third if you include Conchita, but we, we don't talk about that. But yes, we're here to talk about the mighty East Fife, no longer looking over our shoulders at the trap door, ascending the heights. Can we win the title? That's my burning question to, straight off the bat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've had a coffee. I'm maybe a little bit hyper. A coffee and or any hallucinogenics. <laughs> let's, let's, not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves, for God's sake. Yeah, we're we're here to talk about East Five's latest victory. There's so many of them now; it's it's hard to to keep track. Seven points out of nine, back to back clean sheets. We'll get into all of that. We'll look at the lie of the land. We'll bring you a fun teammate section with Pat Slattery. But before we get into any of that, let's hear a little bit from this episode's sponsors. East Five Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. May's Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our client with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. So thanks as always to East Five Community Football Club and May's Mortgages for their continued support of the podcast, their continued support of East Fife. They support us. Go and support them. So guys, yes, back-to-back clean sheets, seven points out of nine, back-to-back victories, back in the playoff places. Everything's coming up East Fife these days, Lee. Yeah, I mean, wearing my glasses today, I could almost say coming up Millhouse. Um, pretty good. 
pretty good indeed. Um, yesterday was a different kind of game, but uh, like I've said to a few people now, it was actually good to see us win in a different way and find or or, and, or flipping that on his head, actually finding a way to win because our home form is obviously the worst in the league by a stretch. But I think yesterday it was more we were set up. Well, actually, you know, the two times that we've played them back and we've played quite well and we've just been countered. You know, I think Greg said in his post, the post-game chat that he was like, right, okay, well, let us do that to them and hit them on the break. And we did that very, very well. Um, and I've said a few times as well, we'll come on to it, but every game I've been at this season, we get a corner and I turn to Ireland and I say, 1-0 steel header. Every single game. And then I said it yesterday, just at the corner, I said, brilliant, 1-0 steel header. And Ella turned and looked at me and just went, shut up. And the next minute, bag, goal. And she turned around to me, she's like, steel header! <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I mean, even a broken yeah. clock is right twice a day. Yeah, correct. Correct. And I mean, it's only taken to however many games. Um, but no, good good win yesterday. And obviously massive uh, to to get it up, a few of our former players who were there. Yeah. I mean, God, I, I said in the show last week, oh, if we can just get a point next week, I take that as a victory. And I, I've seen a few folks saying, no, we should be looking for all three because I'm batting their pish. And from watching the highlights, yeah, they had a lot of possession yesterday, but they didn't do much with it. They did not look great shakes. And usually when league leaders come to town, you're expecting a lot more, but, but it's just not taking anything away from East Fife, but a little bit disappointed in them. I think uh, I've probably said a couple of times on the on the podcast that I'm not I wasn't that impressed with Dumbarton. But that's like, you know, for a team that are have that many points at the top of the league. Um but I think they're a funny team because usually a team that's top of the league, they're they're going out and they're you know, they're the best team, they're on the front foot, they're dominating. But I think what other people say, Dumbarton, Dumbarton fans I've seen talking about them, what I've seen, they're very counter-attacking. They kind of sit in, uh, look to hit teams on the break. They don't necessarily go out and kind of impose themselves. And I think that's part of the reason why you tend to think, oh, they're not that good. Um, and I think by the looks of it, we kind of out Dumbarton, Dumbarton yesterday which is probably the way to go against them. And I think one of the things I was thinking, you know, I uh, wasn't at the game, but, you know, when I saw the first goal go in, I was like, Dumbarton are not really a team, to me, that's built to go behind. You know, I think a lot of their success relies on getting the first goal and kind of sitting in. I mean, that's what they did to us at the start. I think if you lose the first goal to them, it's very difficult to come back into it. But I think if you can get the first goal against them... That, that sort of throws them out a wee bit. So, yeah, I mean, they're a sort of weird team in that way, but um, they're obviously doing something right. But mm. uh, we've obviously, you know, kind of played very well and got it right against them. They are also one of those teams that they got their points on the board early, which mm. is always important in any league. Get get off to a fast start, you give yourself a little bit of breathing space, which they certainly seem to have done. And... I mean, they're going to be in a right dogfight now for Sterling. We'll, we'll get into all that side of the, the table later on. But I wanted to start with something that you touched on there, Lee, and Greg touched on it as well in his post-game interview, and I've seen fans talking about this as well. But this three-game 
unbeaten run that we're on, three very different performances as well. And I think you you could look at it that it could just be Greg trying to find the best way for the team to play, but I think that's doing maybe a disservice to Greg because I think he's looked at the opposition, come up with a different game plan for each one, and full credit to the players, they've executed each one of them. Yeah, and I think that obviously there's a lot of people that had a lot of doubts in their mind you know, about Greg, I think that given the run of form we were on, that's probably justified. But, you know, Greg's always said that he takes each game at a time and, you know, he doesn't get too excited when we win and doesn't get too down when we lose. But, you know, he's, he's kept his head and he's kept his composure and he's, he's tinkered with formations to, to try and find a winning formula. And, you know, I think that we, we, we do need to actually give the man credit because there was, there was four points out of six against the top two teams in the league. Going away at uh, Coat Bridge, you know, is is a very, very difficult place to go with, with how poor the, the pitches, etc. there. And we came away with three points there. Um, a much-needed win at home against the, the top team in the division. But I think, like you say, it's the, the manner of the results in each one of those. Like, um, la- last week at, um, at Albion Rovers could have got football stopped. It was, it was a terrible game of football. Um, it really was terrible. But, you know, it's it's finding a way to win those difficult games. We did that and we scored a goal, kept a clean sheet. I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time we had back-to-back clean sheets. It must be a while. Um, or I don't even think we'll have done that this season. No, I, I was having a, a, a look just before we recorded to see when our, our last back-to-back victories were. And then I'd that got that back to October. October. Yeah. yeah. And then before that, it was at, at the, the start of the season. But there was no back-to-back clean sheets in, in that time. So no. you're going into last season for that. Even last season, I would be very surprised if we kept back-to-back clean sheets because mm. we were honking. That's true. Um, so I, I, it's been a while since we've had back-to-back clean sheets anyway. But I think, um, yeah, you know, the, the manner of the the, the, the the win yesterday was great. We were very unlucky against Sterling and, and deserved to win that game. So we're, we're very... Unfortunate not to be sitting here nine points out of nine, but there's a, f- a few catalysts to these things for me that have made the difference, and I'll just go through them point by point. Pat Slattery, point number one, um, it's come into that team and just allowed the midfield to Trout and, and Ferguson to to be a bit more free, be a bit more creative, be a bit more attacking, and I think that the that bringing in bringing in Pats actually really helped Alex Ferguson. I don't know why, but that's something that's worked. Not having Scott Mercer in the team, I know sounds really, really harsh, but realistically, you know, that that, that can't be a surprise. We won up at Elgin at the start of the month when he wasn't in the team. Mm-hmm. He came back into the team, lost, um, and drew. I, 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 can, I can just picture Doug punching the air as he's listening to this. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and you know these things. I, I, I get slagged for saying this. I know I do, but you know, nice guy, Mercer. But um, you know that, that that's a fact. You know, we've had our best run of form since he's not been in the team. So, still, the last two games has been outstanding at right back. And I mean, considering again, it's another square peg in a round hole. It's been excellent. Um, He's been excellent. I had some some guys in at um, hospitality yesterday, and when I went to speak to them after the game, they went, "Who's your right back?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Adam Steele. He's actually a centre half playing out of position." They're like, "You would never be able to tell." Strolled it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, yeah, 
I mean, the other point I was going to make that would have been really harsh, but no Kieran Miller for a few of those games mm. either until he came on and played centre half yesterday, but did a good job. But there's, there's there's a few changes that were made that you do think, oh, maybe that's actually part of the reason. Obviously, we don't know what the full reason is, but Alex Ferguson for two games back to back has been unbelievable. And I think that it's because he's not having to do the dirty work and try and pick up the ball in a deeper position and, and make it happen. He's actually been allowed to play a little bit further forward with creative freedom and has been good. So hope he keeps up. I mean, Gordon, defensively, like aside from back-to-back clean sheets aspect of it, I, I thought just from watching the highlights, from just reading what folk have talked about from, from the game, this seemed to be very compact defensively. Greg said they defended as a team and that was that was very clear to see in the highlights. They weren't afraid to give up position possession. Um, so, I mean, Dumbarton did dominate that, but again, they didn't do much with it. And Fleming had one big save to make, didn't seem that much trouble. They had that fight and the desire, they defended as a team, but a lot of that goes with the confidence as well that they probably feel that they've got over this shaky patch defensively now. And it certainly is looking like that out there. They are defending as a unit and it's very impressive to see. Yeah, I mean, I think after the Sterling game, we'd kind of mentioned that it was a wee bit disappointing not to get the win, but hopefully that can be a bit of a confidence boost. Um, I think Greg talked about that post-match as well, the difference it makes. And you think it's got to... You can imagine how poor run just breeds this kind of poor confidence. So hopefully that that's it's got them over now. And I think you know what what Lee was saying about some of the changes we've made. If you go back to the Sterling game before the game, and me and my dad were talking about it, and I think we've talked as well how it's felt. I mean, there's two things. One that we've changed the kind of shape about a few times this season, and you're left maybe not knowing exactly what our best. Formation, our best kind of lineup is, and a bit of competition for places that hasn't really, haven't really had that. And I think in the Sterling game, he's obviously kind of gone. He kind of changed that a wee bit, you know. Obviously, you know Mercer's left, so we've decided we're going to steal right back. Um, you know, Shivoni came back into the team. Um, obviously, that was a kind of fitness thing as well. He wasn't fit for a while, and then Miller's been suspended, so Slattery's come back in centre half, uh, centre mid. And I think all these changes have worked. Um, now, maybe it's a case of, you know, we've kind of picked up on that Shepard maybe wasn't in the form he was at the start of the season. Same goes for Miller. But now we've kind of had the opportunity to make those changes when when they make sense. Uh, and I think both of them, all, all three changes, I think have been very, very good. Uh, they've worked. And also Denham coming in to the right mm-hmm. wing, I think, I've been impressed with him and I think he you know I think I said it before when we've got kind of two wingers there you know that that's that's what the shape is kind of when you're playing this 4-1-4-1 you kind of need two guys who are capable of, of playing on the wing so although the, the kind of style maybe of the three games has been different we've we've kept a very consistent kind of uh, starting 11 consistent shape um, and also, oh no, Quinn coming in. I think Quinn has mm. been. Quinn was kind of what we were, what we're calling out for 
we've been calling out for for a while. That kind of centre half. Um, so I think all all these little things have maybe come together a little bit. Um, it's made a big difference. I mean, with Quinn, there was a lot of positive from yesterday. There's a couple of little negatives, and the big one is a potential injury to Quinn. They're going to get it evaluated this week. It looks like inside of his knee. When you hear knee, that's always a worry because you know how long some of these can take to to get better. I mean, fair play to Miller coming in. He he did well yesterday in that makeshift role. But if Quinn is going to be missing for any stretch of games, that feels like a big blow. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, like I say, seeing it coming up on, on BBC that he's gone off injured in the first half, uh, you know, that's not it's not good because, you know, he's one of the players that you feel there isn't a, there isn't a direct kind of replacement for in terms of what he offers. Um, you know, I think a, a wee bit of a raised eyebrow when I saw he was replaced by Miller and you think, mm. oh, is, is, is Miller, is Miller going to right back and, or, and Steele's going in middle or is Miller yeah, going Yeah, I was the, surprised that, that that was what they decided to, to go with, but mm. it worked. <laughs> I mean, I think Greg kind of talked about that as well, that they thought that, yeah, Miller is obviously capable of playing there and kind of offered something that, um, you know, he thought would be good to be a bit of a sort of calm presence at the back. Um, But it's obviously worked. So hopefully Quinn is not a long-term injury Um, because as much as these things kind of work for, you know, a game or whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm not... You know, I think we want Quinn back as quickly as possible. The thing with Denham as well, you've got a young guy that's coming in loan and then he's found out that Hearts aren't going to be renewing his contract for next year. So he's the kind of young, hungry guy you want because he's now playing for a deal somewhere next year. Um, you've got to feel he's got aspirations of playing at a higher level than the, the fourth tier of Scottish football. So that's just a win-win situation right now. Yeah, but I, I'll be honest, I think fans are getting a bit carried away with him. Um, that's just my opinion. I think he's he looks like a decent player, and um, particularly his first game, he had a good 45 minutes away at Albion Rovers. He was decent. I actually didn't think he played that well yesterday. Um, and, and you know, he was up against a very, very good player. Um, I'm sure Carswell got moved out to the left, and he, he barely kicked the ball yesterday. Um, so I, I think fans are like oh, offering him a deal now, offering him a deal now. I think we just personally, I would hang fire on that for a couple of weeks and oh, give yeah. him a chance to to see what he could do over a real period of time. I think he, the boy definitely looks like he's got ability. There's no two ways of that. But until we start seeing some final product, you know, because I mean, three games in, no goals, no assists. Mm. So let's let's wait and see until he adds that to his game and, and then we can get the, the checkbook out. Well, also, it wouldn't be the first player that we've had that's impressed and then as soon as we sign him, turns crap. I mean, that... Liam Gormley. That has happened, uh, even going way back into the 90s, this is something that happened on a regular basis with, with us, it felt. Right, let's delve a little bit into the game. Now... Dumbarton, I think, had the better, I would say, of the the opening few minutes, but then we kind of got our foothold in the game, we started to take it to them. Really good first half performance all round from us, and that opening goal, 
It was a absolute perfect delivery from the corner, and Steely just met it so well. And Liam said to Steele in his post-game interview that as soon as he met it, he knew it was going in the back of the net. And you, as soon as you saw it, when his head connected with that, that was going straight in. There was nothing that anything could happen. He he said himself he's felt it's been coming, and I think we've all wanted that to come from him. And if he can just bring that a little bit more often to his game, he's going to be a much more all-round player. But what a what a header that was! Peach, absolute peach. And and like I said to you guys before the show, like it, he's he's a classy, classy player. He's a really good player, and you know we gave him our player of the year last year. He could very well be in the mix for getting player of the year this year again um, I just rate him um, I, I think I, I'll be very surprised if he's with us next year Yeah, um, he, he can think, definitely play at a higher level yeah, his consistency he, maybe is why he's not playing at that higher level just now but yeah. he's a guy that and we, we've said this when the search for an experienced centre back was, was going out there he is a guy that is going to thrive with the right pieces around him Hundred percent. You know, he played in a, a team last year that were, were leaking goals constantly. But him and him really, he was the, the shining light of that team last year. We've, we've kept him again this year. And do you want to know who who's slipping completely under the radar? Actually, is Sam Denham, who has been outstanding for weeks. Um, he's been really good. But Steely took his goal so well yesterday and hopefully that, that gives him the confidence to to meet it but he loses his marker he gets up so high and, and like Liam said you know he hits, hits the nail on the head with it is you just knew it was going in and I think they even had a man on the line yeah. <laughs> and still couldn't stop it yeah who, who made a token effort to go uh. <laughs> yeah the, uh, the, I don't think that there was he was ever going to stop that no. um, and and by the way great corner from, from yeah. Fergie as well it, Absolute pinpoint. Yeah, I mean it. It, it was Gordon. It was the the kind of the kind of corner that's really hard to defend to begin with. And as you said, Dumbarton is one of those teams that when they fall behind, they maybe don't have that that build to really fight back. Um, I've watched teams over here that that's been a very defensive minded team, and they've been great. But as soon as they fall behind, it's like they've got nothing. That's going to bring them back into the game. And we controlled the rest of the first half after that. It's just a shame we maybe didn't build on it. But just your thoughts on, on Steely's goal? Oh, it was it was building. Like seeing it on the highlights, um, so it's a wee bit different for seeing it in the game because mm. you when the pa- the camera kind of pans across, you see him sort of like absolutely thundering in out of nowhere and ah, like you know yeah, pl- at- plus we know it's coming, so <laughs> Yeah. It's like oh you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's the goal because Aaron Steele's moving towards that ball at about 50 miles an hour. <laughs> and yeah, I know, I know I did notice as well the guy on the line doing the wee, you know, kind of moving his head a wee bit, but I said that that ball was probably moving at some speed. But, uh, He'd even carried into the net with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's something that I don't think, I mean, I don't have like the statistics or anything, but it feels like we have not really scored many goals from corners this year. We've probably been below average at that. Um so it's nice to see it's nice to see us getting goals from from that because you feel like that's an area that you know that's an aspect of the game that we could definitely improve on, being more mm. of a threat goal threat yeah. from corners. 
set pieces in general, uh, if you if you can get delivery like that in from Ferguson though on a regular basis, I mean that's going to help. It's going to mm. cause so much panic back there. The second half, Dumbarton controlled possession. They were probably the better team. I think relying so late to get that killer second. I'm sure if you at the game, Lee. It was a bit squeaky bum time because that one goal lead. You're just thinking, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna do something. They're gonna get back into it. But yeah. it just, it didn't feel that they were creating enough to to do that. And defensively, we held firm so well. Oh, Mars was going ten p five p for probably the last ten minutes. But I mean, they were, they, they had the ball, but they weren't doing much with it. I mean, Fleming makes one good save from uh, Russell McLean. Apart from that, they did nothing. And the amount of passes that they put out of the park was laughable yesterday. You know, Ryan Blair was Ryan Blair of last season. How that boy is a professional footballer is beyond me in every shape or form. Like, the amount of times I said yesterday, oh, there's a Ryan Blair that we all know and love, because he was woeful. And I, again, I actually think that that was part of the game plan for yesterday, to allow the players to have possession that, you know, we wanted to have possession. So, like, making sure that guys like Orsay and, and Wallace, etc., weren't seeing an awful lot of the ball, but making sure guys like Ryan Blair had all the time they were all to do fuck all with it. And, and that's pretty much what happens. But, um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, at 1-0, you're, you're always kind of dreading it. Like, you, and that's just experience of being an East Fife yeah. fan, right? That's that's just that's, that's in our DNA. Oh, a hundred percent. He's always expecting the worst thing to, to happen. Oh, a hundred and ten percent, mathematically impossible, but yeah. And Wallace steps up to take that free kick. Yeah. And every part of me goes, I could just see that little bastard come run up and celebrate yeah. in front of us. Going uh, like yeah, yeah. I was waiting for it because I mean he got pelters for 90 minutes. I was gonna and ask it, about that, so that's good to know. And it, and it lands in the car park and the, and it was more just the relief than anything else. You were like, oh, thank God for that. Um, I'm sure we'll come into the goal in a minute. But Well, yeah. yeah. Now, I'll ask you this, Lee, because obviously we're just basing it from the highlights. It felt though, like we're saying Dumbarton didn't create much. We didn't exactly go healthy leather to try and get that killer second. It didn't look like we generated much ourselves. I'll be honest, I think we, we really wanted to play in the counter yesterday. Mm. That That's how it felt to me. It was just counting teams because with guys like Jack Healy, um, Shivoni, and the boy Denham up front, we've got rakes of pace. Um, so it, we could probably do with just actually soaking up the, the pressure and then hitting them on the break. And I think that we tried to do that, yeah. We only really created one chance really in the second half that was worthwhile, and that was a a sort of snapshot from Ferguson that that, that was a comfortable height for Brett Long to save, but it was a good shot nonetheless. You know, I still feel like our players are kind of scared to hit a shot. I say to Jack Healy, he'll he'll shoot from anywhere, but um, I, I think it was say the box. Like I, I want to see guys like Trouton and Ferguson and. Um, you know, even Pat, just just have a go. Like I would rather us have a go and miss than fat about with and just lose possession due to being a little bit lackadaisical. But mm. um, yeah, I, th I think that that that's actually almost on purpose. 
the, the clinching second goal. We'll, we'll start with Gordon for, for this one. When I was watching the highlights, because you know the goal's coming, and it, it felt like we had the ball, but we weren't really wanting to advance it forward. It's like they were in two minds. It's like, oh, we, we could go for the second here, or let's just pass it back. And then he's like, oh, no, I'll pass it back. And then eventually, I don't even know who it was that sent the long ball over the top to Shepardney, and he's like, fuck, let's just get it up the other end of the pitch. And then it worked because Shepard got it. And what a delivery from Shepard. Took his time, looked up, perfect spot. Ferguson in the right place. Great finish from him. A great team goal in the end. But you, you could see that hesitation of, I don't know if we want to push forward here and then leave ourselves short at the back. I think, uh, yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. Because I think it, we win. I thought it was a brilliant goal. Because we win the ball in our box. I think... I think it's Denham that puts in a tackle to win the ball. It kind of gets worked out to Shivoni, who's I think kind of on the halfway line, and and he kind of he kind of turns and then yeah. goes away with it. But I think he's looked up and he's seen that he's the furthest forward he's five player, and I don't even think he's in Dumbarton's half, so he's <laughs> obviously gone. Okay, I've got to try and turn back a wee bit, but it does end up it's like forward back, forward back, um, and I I didn't see who played the ball. The long ball forward. Uh, steel. Was it steel? Oh. I thought it was steel, but then part of my head was like, that, that I was like, that's too good to be on steel. It must be, it must be a different player, but that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think, was, a, was it Troughton that wins the wee knock on towards she, uh, Shepard? Um, I know, the, it's the I ball. Well, walls, was it broken walls, maybe. Yeah, I think it was walls. But, um, oh, the ball in from Shepard is, is fantastic. Like, that's the. You know, and Ferguson does well because he takes it first time, very calm finish. But it's it's really the cross from Shepard, I think, that kind of kind of makes the goal. But it was a very very good team goal. I mean, I watched it back a couple of times just because it was so good. Yeah, and it was it was an excellent goal. That's the kind of goal that when I'm like narrowing down goals of the season, I like the team goals more than just the the worldies because it's got a bit more to it. I'm not saying this is anything like a goal of the season contender, but just in general. But the Shepherd stuff, Lee, a lot of strikers would just have taken that to the corner flag and tried to run out the time. But he had the football IQ and awareness to be like, look up, kind of see what the situation was and think, oh, you know what? I can just send this ball in. Yeah. That ball had to be perfect. There was only... Like the way that he played it was the only way that was going to get through to Ferguson, and it was like on a plate for him. Beautiful cross, and I think that in the game where I was sitting, fans were going fucking mental behind me at him because he checks his run a bit and he actually turns around. But actually, I think he was waiting for Ferguson to get into space, and that's it's where you're talking about football IQ, bang on. Because and and I, I'm sure I tweeted it out yesterday because I, I think. He's a guy that's had quite a lot of criticism recently and I've really felt for him. And I said it last week after the, the penalty miss, like, I really feel sorry for him because he clearly cares and he's a guy that puts in bags of effort and he, his cross was every bit as good as, as Ferguson's finish. Um, the one thing that kind of worries me a bit is he doesn't go and celebrate with the players. I notice these things a lot. He doesn't go and celebrate with the players after the goal scored. He's the first one back to the halfway line. Um, and I'm a bit like, you know, is 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 his confidence so short that he can't even celebrate 
the the good the good part of what he did and how he contributed to that. Um, so I hope that that is just me and my anxiety in mind <laughs> over overthinking things. But you know, I, I I wanted to call out yesterday that he deserved a bit of credit because again, you know, in the last two games he's he's, he's provided an assist, and that's more than than Healy or um, Denham have done, and they've they've started so. And hopefully that gives him a little bit of a lift. And do you want to know what? I'll see you next week down at Stranraer. I would, I would play him over Denham on the wing. Hmm. I mean, we, we've talked before, like these players, it is all confidence. And like having someone with that kind of nice to to do that, take the turn, hold things up, wait till Ferguson gets up. These are the kind of guys that we need in the team. We need those experienced heads for a, a young guy like Ferguson to have someone that that around him late in the game, and we've got some of those there. I'd still like to add if we can. I don't know how many free agents, how many loan deals. But we've still got a couple of weeks. Well, I guess just, just over a week now that we can still add someone to it. I'd still like a couple of older heads in there, even if they're only going to play bit roles coming off the bench for late in the game. That's when you need the older heads on the pitch. He's brought in Agnew and Pagey for that, though. Yeah. Um, and and Pagey's played a cameo couple of minutes and Agnew had come off the bench once. So I, I'll be honest with you, if, if we sign anybody in in the next, I think we've got a week left that we can mm. sign players. Um, if we sign anybody, I'll, I'll genuinely be surprised. Um, but if we do it, it'll be a player. And I think Greg said he wants a striker. And I think that having a striker come in will be massive because I think really in every other position we're good. Um well Greg talked about the left, depth as left well. back we do yeah. still need a left back but I don't think that's gonna happen. No, I mean that's been two, three years worth now. We've been saying that so we've just given up nice left Easy <laughs> talk signing a left back. I know. I know mate. You know we're we're fantasists on this show, right? <laughs> so we'll get to the three two one. And then we'll get to some of our listeners' questions because we had some good feedback on Twitter about this game. It's always amazing how when the good times roll, the good questions roll in as well. So, Lee, give us your 3 two, one It's really hard because we had a few players that played really well yesterday, but um, I'm going to give three points to Ferguson for a goal and an assist. I think that's, that's only fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, two points I'm going to give to Aaron Steele, who was, again, unbelievable yesterday. I'm going to have a point to Sam Denham, because I thought he was outstanding yesterday as well. That's pretty, pretty spot on, I think, from the the highlights, for sure, anyway. for the, the One, one thing the that I haven't spoke about is in the first half, Quinn trips on the ball and Dumbarton get in. And Denham puts in for me tackle of the season. Yeah. Because the they're one. just about to pull the trigger and he comes in and he, he he actually wins the ball. And that for me is every bit as good as Steele's goal because they score that and it's a different game. That was in the box as well, wasn't that it? Was in the box. Yeah. So, yeah. Not only score that uh, to stop the shot by a block, but to win it as a tackle is outstanding. Really, really good, and that, that deserves to be called out. Your timing's slightly off, and you've yeah. given a penalty and potentially been sent off. 
Yeah. So that was very impressive. We've seen we've seen Aaron Steele do a couple of them this season and, and a few of the other guys as well. So no, I thought it was really important to call that out because that's that's a 10 out of 10 tackle mm. that deserves a point. If not more, I actually feel almost guilty not giving him more, but just I think that Ferguson and Steele just contributed that a little bit more towards the game. I'll make a note of that because like when we do our end of year stuff here, one of the categories I have is always tackle of the year. And it comes to the end of the season, I'm like, what tackles were there? Because they never make a note of stuff during the season. So, Claude Makalele is the big mm. tackle. Uh, one for the, the Soccer AM guys back in the day. <laughs> one last thing I just want to mention from yesterday as well is having Stuart Murdoch back in the mix on the bench. Greg mentioned he would return to training on Thursday, so it's a little bit early really to get him involved. But again, there's another older, experienced head that we've got for... What yeah. could now be a, a an exciting running? Yeah, I mean, I think um, having Murdoch there is great, but we can't take Steele at that position because he's no. played better in two games than Murdoch or Mercer have played all season. So, I but think then if Quinn's out, we could move in. we could move Steele back into the middle potentially as well. Yeah, I mean, you could do that. You've also got Conor McManus that's played a few games for us at centre half and played well. So, um, I think that that's a decision that we'll probably look more into once we know the extent of Quinn's injury. I'm hoping it's a knock because he did try to play on. So it wasn't oh, like okay. a push yet or an ACL or something right. like that. But he he was just gone and out. He got up and he tried to play on and eventually he did go down. So um, I, I think that it might be just a, a jar or a sprain or something like that. And hopefully it's a week to two weeks. I just always get concerned because obviously there's a lot of like artificial pitches over here and the yeah. amount of knee injuries that come with those artificial pitches, you're always just like... Just... Well, to be fair, it was uh, um, it, it was the, the injury came from the thing Lee said that Quinn... Yeah, they're had giving the ball away. Touch, and, then, ...and then got the tackle, which, you know, it was a fair... It was there to be, it was there to be one, but I think it was... I think he's taken some studs into the knee which I think was what, what did him. Yeah. So some of the feedback that we've got on Twitter, some are questions, some are just comments. So I'll, I'll go through some of them. You can go through some of them as well, Lee. So yeah. Michael Gill just wants to add that the cheer on the second goal and the applause to the team in the final whistle was as good as I've heard in a long time, he says. Yeah. Bit to do, but hoping the corner has been turned. And that's a couple of home games now because we talked about the response that Pat Slattery got at the last game. And then you heard the crowd. We, we were talking before we recorded about it was good to hear an East Fife cha-cha-cha chant again on the highlights. It's felt a while since we've kind of had that kind of atmosphere at the game. Yeah, couldn't honestly agree more, to be honest. Um, the, I think the thing is, though, is what we have seen is a bit more oomph from the team and I think that they've given when, the fans something to cheer about yeah exactly and I think what we have seen at Bayview has been pedestrian shite for the majority of it so you can't expect the fans to back you if, if you're you're serving up shite um, whereas we've played the top two in two games at home and we've taken four points um, and the fans will back you all the way I've, I've been at East Fife games when we've been hammered that we've played, you know, we've, the boys have went down fighting and they've been clapped off the pack. You know what I mean? So I've seen games where we've we've lost narrowly 1-0 but played terrible and they've been booed off the pack because they deserve it. The Stranraer game um, a few weeks ago, um, 
you know, the, the, the players deserve to be booed off the park because it was horrendous. So it's, it's, it's a fickle sport football, but you've got to take it when it's going good, but then uh, when it's going bad, but make sure you're backing the boys when they're playing well and putting the effort in. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Some of the other stuff that we've got in here. John Scott Neal, not sure about safety yet, but certainly on the way, we need to make sure Bayview is a place where we fear no one. And Gordon, that was only the third home win of the season. And you do want your home stadium to be a fortress. And we've, we've had that in the past, where we've been getting the points at home and we've not been doing it away. And then for whatever reason, it's flipped around this year. I mean, I, yeah. I'd mentioned about the back-to-back wins on the, the first one since October. And both of those back-to-back wins, it was a 3-1 at Forfar and a 3-1 at Bonnie Rig, so they'd come on the road. So I, I looked at it during the week there, and it's changed after the weekend. But if you took only uh, home form, we were bottom of the league. Oof. Yeah. If you took only away form, we were top of the league. Uh, oh, now, wow. Stir- Sterling's point at the weekend has, has put them above us on a waveform on goal difference. But like that's mental. That is. How, when have you ever seen a team who are bottom of the league on home form but top of the league on a waveform? It's crazy. Um, now, you know, you don't... It'd be great for to make Bayview as fortress, but you're almost just looking at, can we just be average at home? Because we're... You know, we're so far above average away from home. If we were just average at home, oh, we, you know, we'd be challenged for, for the title. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, we've, we've talked before about, you know, a couple of years ago, it was why are we so bad away from home? And you come up with all these reasons. And then now it's why are we so bad at home? Um, but, you know, like Lee was saying, that's four, you know, the last two games, four points against the top two, that's very good. So hopefully that is a bit of a, bit of a turning point. Yeah, that's something when we speak to Greg next Lee, we can we can certainly ask him. And the thing as well, with Greg having three different styles, three different playing performances over the last three games, it's also going to be a, a nightmare for opposition managers to come up with a game plan to play against us. Because it's like, well, yeah. what East Fife are we going to see this week? Is it the one that played against Sterling? Is it the one that played against Albion Rovers? Is it going to be the one that played against Dumbarton? So that's good as well. It keeps the, the opposition on, on their toes and might give us a, a little bit of advantage. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, it's actually nice to come on to this show for the last three weeks and, and talk positively because um, it's it's been a year and a half of talking about garbage. So... Um, it's nice to have hit you know a decent bit of form and, and strand ran next week. You know, you, you look you looked three weeks ago and saying, I don't know when we're gonna get our next win from. And then a couple of results later, and you're like, Yeah, I fancy us away to strand ran next week. So I know. It's, it's it's mental. Just as football fans, the East Fife roller coaster as well. It's there's the highs, there's the lows, we yeah. go with it. I mean it's so, fickle. so fickle as well. Like, I was like like three oh, weeks yeah. ago going to the game be like, oh, I was like, oh, can we bothered with it? I'd, I'd, I, you know, I'd, if I could, I'd come up with an excuse not to go. And now I'm like, oh, are we trip to Stranraer next week? Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a few a month ago, a few weeks ago, it's like, oh, McDonald needs to go, and they need to make this change now before the window shuts. Get a new man in, and it's like, oh, 
Greg McDoyle, tactical genius, all <laughs> these things coming up. He's turned this team around. No wonder, like, if players and managers listen to podcasts, read message boards, they'd just be like, oh, fucking these fans are idiots. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of them think that anyway. Yeah. Now, let's get to the burning question. And I partly joked about it at the start of the show, but you look at the, the table, and let me just bring it up just now, the... League 2 table. I keep clicking into League 1. I haven't given up that we have left the League 1 yet. If we look at the results yesterday, actually, first of all, I didn't check, but why was the Bonnie Rig 4 for game off yesterday? Waterlogged pitch. Oh, wow. It was probably frozen on the top and waterlogged at the bottom. And given horrendous. It must have pulled in one of the corners, just all the water sitting at one corner flag. Wow. Gordon, um, are you going to go to Bonnie Rig away? Uh, yeah, planning it. What, what, what weekend is that? Is it not like two, three weeks away? I think it's March 17th, isn't it? St. Patrick's Day or something. I think uh, March, yeah. March 18th, the day after St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, planning on going to that one. A few beers for that one. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that that would be the, 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 the worst thing if Bonnie Rig get relegated. Uh, That'd be the worst thing about that. It's like your home game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the results yesterday, Annan 2, Sterling 2. So Sterling dropped a couple of points. He could have closed that gap on Dumbarton. Steny beat Albion Rovers 2-0. And maybe the surprise result, maybe not, because they have they've fallen down a bit, but they did give a good account of themselves in the Scottish Cup. And we talked last week about Stranraer could be in big trouble here. Maybe they've steadied the ship with that 1-0 win away at Elgin, which has to be the longest road trip in, in Scottish football for, for, for teams to have. Yeah, I mean, that's just a nightmare one. But you look at the table, and Dumbarton, three-point lead over Stirling, who have a game in hand. Annan in third... 25 games played on 34 points. We've moved into fourth again. 25 games played, 33 points. Steny, a point behind us on 32, but they have a game in hand. Forfer, two games in hand on 32 points. And you have to feel Forfer, they've been on a great run. And if they can continue that going, you've got to think that they are going to be in the top three. So there's maybe just one point in that or one place in that top four that, that we're battling for. Elgin also have a couple of games in hand. They're in 30 points. I think right now, if you're looking at third to seventh, it's going to be two teams from those five teams that's going to make up the rest of the top four. Why can't it be us? No reason. No, I know uh, looking at the league table... You would think that, you know, if you could play all those games in hand in a one-er, we wouldn't be fourth. But we're still going to be right in the middle of all those teams. Um, mm -hmm. so if we if we can kind of keep up the form in the last three weeks, we'll absolutely have a good chance. I mean, Stranraer, yes, they're in 29th and they're in 8th, so they could get themselves in it with a run, but they haven't really shown anything to me that's going to make me think they're going to go on a run. I think they just caught Elgin. A, a good time of the season. But have we, though? I think we've shown 
that we've got the potential to go on a run. That I mean, I think looking just outside of what the results were, I think they've been good, solid performances. Yeah, look, I, I, at risk of getting uh, being negative, Nancy or Debbie Downer, like I was. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get too carried away at the other end of things yeah. either. Just to, to I'll, I'll yeah. say, and I'll, I'll categorically state now, I think we're safe now. I think. Well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll amalgamate the answer into both. I don't think we're finishing the top four. I think that Annan are a better side than us, and I think that Forfar will sneak into fourth. Um, is I think Forfar will be third. Well, either or that'll be that'll make up the top four. I think we'll finish sixth, is my guess. Um, and I'd probably bite your hand off it for it just now. Um, a wee bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Steny, they've been bitty um, since since Gary went in. He's not really set the heather on fire, but I think the next couple of games will tell us what or where we're going to finish. Yeah. Because we play the, the Camel Trek next uh, week away, Stranraer absolutely turned us over at Bayview. So if we that that was probably the worst game of the season for me. So that we did get a two-all draw there, but they had a guy sent off. Yeah, and it was a last minute Jack Healy Thunderbastard. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we we have they've kind of had marked our card this season. We've we've not had um, a win against them. So we go into that next week, and then four for then Bonnie Rig. If we get six points out of nine, seven points out of nine, I might change my tune. Um, I reckon we'll get four points out of nine, um, and that'll that'll for me that'll state that I think we'll we'll finish middle of the table. Um, you know, I think I asked the question at the start of the season to Stevie Crawford directly at the Q and A. Um, is this a a season where you're looking to consolidate? Or is this a season that you you want us pushing? He said that we'd be pushing for playoffs. Um, I didn't see that at the time. I've said most of the year that I think we'll finish sixth. Um, and I'm, I'm going to sort of stick by that. But I think that, I mean, right now there's 10 points between us and Bonnie Rig. Bonnie Rig's obviously their game in hand is against Forfa, who I think mm. will, will comfortably beat them. Um, I think that Albion Rovers... Um, yeah, they've got a game in hand. I mean, it's got it looks right now that it's Albion Rovers and Bonnie Rig that's battling to yeah. to potentially but, but fall so. out of the league. But pushing for playoffs, you know that to me that what that means is that you've spent the season at least not far away for fourth place, and I don't think we've you know as much as we've we've kind of you know we're a bit too close to the bottom for comfort. It's that thing where we've never been far away from fourth no, place. We, we have been in the mix. One or two good results away from going back into the top four. Now, it's it's a weird season, but I think, I mean, if you're to say to me right now, do I want to put money on us finishing top four? Probably not. And I think I agree with you, Lee, Annan and Forfarer. You'd have to put them as the favourites, but... You know, well, we're, we're obviously no far off them. I mean, I think we'll we'll probably stay in that kind of that group. Uh, yeah, and it'll down to, you know, I think we'll be fifth or sixth goals. as well. It's like, I think we'll we just miss out. Sorry, Michael, we don't score enough goals. Yeah, we've, and we've got the third worst goal record in the uh, goal difference in the league. 
you look at um, Annan, for example, Tommy Goss has got the, mo- the, the most goal contributions in the league. I think he's the top goal scorer in the league. They've got goal scorers in their team. Um, you know, you look every week, right, and you go, Annan have scored, you go, Tommy Goss. You go, Elgin have scored, you go, Ken Hester. You know, you, 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 you kind of just know who their goal scorer is going to be. Ours changes week by week. Yeah. And there's nobody that's really running away with a top goal scorer award. I mean, Scott Mercer was our second highest goal scorer before he left to go to, to Edinburgh City. So we, we, we just, as much as I think Chev's a good player, um, we don't have an out-and-out goal scorer. And I think that's what's going to be the difference between us. Um, and who is leading? Well, I know Shepard's leading the goals, but who, like, what's he on just now? And it's not Shepard. Oh, is it Troughton? I think it's Troughton in the majority seven, of the seven, seven goals or something. I yeah. think Troughton's probably like three, maybe even four penalties, something like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think our top goal scorer this season, hold on while I get it up. Wait. Hey. Always fun on a Sunday night. Yeah, no chance of that. Um, and... They will get into a few more questions. Yeah. Um, Alan Troughton, seven goals. Shivoni, six. Shepard, five. Oh, wow. um, Mercer was on five. Healy's on four. Here's something interesting, though. Um, Ferguson, three goals and seven assists. Shepard, five goals, five assists. So there's your two most creative players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then you look at our other top. So take Troughton's penalties out. It's Shivoni. When the ball hits, it's Shivoni. Um, so you've got Shivoni. Shepard hasn't scored since October. Um, and he's, he's 420 minutes per goal. So that that's what I'm saying. I just, I don't think... That as it stands anyway, we, we don't have that out and out goal scorer that I think that you need for that 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 playoff push. Oh, that's fair. I think that is fair. But I think we are, are we all feeling we're safe. I I, I think we've we've got enough now, and and people are going. Hey, Gordon's like, uh... <laughs> Gordon, you've got to think. They Bonnie Rig have been shugged out pretty much all season, and really they're. They're not scoring an awful lot of goals. Um, there's a, there's seven points between us, and here's here's a fact that I've got on my phone for you. Just before you answer that, right? Um, we need to get zero points in the remaining eleven fixtures, and they would need to get half of what they've managed so far in twelve games. Oh no, it's like like do, I mean, if you're asking me, do I think we're going to finish bottom, or what what are the odds of finishing bottom? I'd say no, I don't, and pretty low. Because uh, yeah. even if it's not Bonnie Rig, you've got Albion Rovers there. You know, there's no way two of them. Very small chance that the two of them are going on, a, you know, good <laughs> run. It was just like, you know, are we are we absolutely safe? Am I ready? You know, close the book and go. It's not going to happen. So we're not quite far away enough yet, but I absolutely do not think that we're going to finish bottom. I think that would be a pretty spectacular collapse. Yeah. Well, considering uh, where we were maybe a month ago. That kind of shows you the turnaround, I guess. No, yeah, just... a month ago was three weeks, right? So, um, it's but looking at this, we've lost ten games this season, um, and Albion Rovers have lost twelve, Bonnie have lost thirteen, and then everybody else from that down, Anna nine, 
Stenny eight, four for nine, Elgin nine, Stranraer um, twelve. So the teams from seventh to third have all lost a similar amount. Mm. Um, and again, wins. Annan have had nine, we've had nine. Um, Stenny have had eight, Forfar have had nine, Elgin have had eight. Um, so Bonnie Rigg have only won six games all season. And one of them um, was against us. And two of them were against Stranraer. It's such an even league. We've talked about that all year. And for a neutral, it's a fantastic league to to keep an eye on. Ali Ewan on Twitter had said, the boring statistician in me said we needed 11 points per quarter to stay out of the relegation zone. We're on 33 points with two games left in the third quarter. 11 more points required for safety in my book. That's We don't need anything near that amount of points. 44 points. No. I think I think there's no way we'll need 44 points. I know that's a good sort of like, it's a good... It's something to aim towards, yeah. You're, yeah, you're almost are. certainly safe, but I think the team that finishes 10th usually gets a fair bit less. Scott Young from Doug's Garden says, are we going to go unbeaten till the end of the season and win the league? Like um, I said to him privately, Shut the fuck up, Scott. I think he's, <laughs> I, I think he's maybe just feeling a little bit lightheaded out there. Sniffing Doug's boxers. Mm. We're going back to uh, glory days of gold after dark again. Where yeah, well, Doug's garden and there's somebody. Ali said he's got an accountant in him, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Gill says, "Can we ask Brett Long how many extra steps are on his Fitbit?" And he's become the biggest waste of time. He was more annoying than Wallace, so that's going some length. So was was Brett? What was Brett doing yesterday then? He, he His team were like, behind. Yeah, he essentially like ran down the tunnel to get a ball that had went out the pitch, and it was great because um, I think it was maybe Wallace's free kick that went over, and we like took ages to get the ball back out. But just <laughs> just as Greg brought the ball back out, we got the ball back, and Fleming rolled it onto the pitch. I was just like, oh. Shit, sorry. I just as as our regular listeners all know, I love shit house and oh yes, and and that oh. was um, excellent. Have you seen the um, is it Firenerd goalkeeper? Yeah, that was class as well. Twenty oh. games, that was excellent. Oh, I'll check that yeah, out. So, if, you, if if somebody's not seen that, have a wee Google for it. It's good. Henry yeah. Ireland says, "Has Greg found his strongest team, and is this the start of a winning run put together in time for the playoffs?" Um, I think he's definitely found the formation and the, the players for that. So, yeah, you're probably right, Andre. Um I think that having Pat coming in and allowing the uh, sort of more creative players, uh, Trouton and, and Ferguson, to get a little bit further forward and into those pockets behind the strikers, I think it's making a difference. So, hard to disagree. Bruce Lee, 1973. Bruce R on Twitter says, safe? No. When the league has so many points to play for. And yeah, I mean, I think we've shown, Forfer's shown, string a good run together, you go up the table. Elgin's shown, not string a few runs together, you go from third and you're dropping down and you're losing to Stranraer. Yeah. Stuart Kirkcaldy, I personally don't think we are safe. The league is so tight, a few poor results and we're back in danger. A couple of good results recently, but we were very poor in possession yesterday. And that was something I was going to ask you guys. Like, it's great saying we played that game, we played in the counter, we gave up possession. 
some teams would heavily punish us for that. It's not a strategy that I feel we can bring into every game, but I think Greg's shown that he's got these different scenarios and it's going to depend on who the opposition is. I think that's a bit harsh, saying we were poor in possession yesterday. Um, I just think that we were playing against the, the top team in the league. They were pressing us high up the park. Um, I think what we did have with the possession yesterday, we executed well. So I think trying to poke holes in in a 2-0 win at home is a bit a bit hard lines. Dumbarton, Dumbarton aren't a shite team. You know, that was only the third game they've lost all season. I know they don't always look that great. They're not a great team to watch, but they're not a bad team for mm. the level we're at. So. Two more. Ollie Anderson, you touched on this, Lee. I know we've got our three two ones that we do in the show to get our player of the season, but off the top of your head, if you were just saying, who's the player of the year for you so far? I was thinking about that today and I, nothing, honestly, nobody's coming to mind. I think there's a few candidates, but I didn't have a, I think usually at this point in the season, you've got somebody that you think, oh, it's them, but I really didn't have one. Up until a few weeks ago, they probably said Caden Miller. Um, but his his form of late has not been great. Um, Pat Slattery, after three games, could be a shout, <laughs> I'm joking aside, but I think um, it's probably going to be a toss-up for me between Fleming, who's kept us in games massively at times, Steele or Sam Denham for me. Fleming was the... When I read the tweet, Fleming was the first name that came into my head. Gordon, who's for running consi- away with the... For consistency. Who's running away with the three to one, Gordon? Oh, I've, I've fallen way behind. I'll need to have a wee, a wee evening where I uh, count the scores up. Yes, I'll you keep do. The, I'll keep the, the tension going till the end. Nobody's got any idea. Although if any listeners have been keeping track and you want to save Gordon some work, let us know. Yeah, probably Scott Young. He keeps a spreadsheet for everything. But we'll probably get uh, a thing from Scott Fleming going, ah, I think you'll find I'm in the lead. No, <laughs> <Or> whatever, <laughs> whatever player's in the lead will be telling us that he's in the lead. Yes. Um, last tweet I want to mention, because it's going to bring us to our final bit in the show. From Glenn86. Is Pat Slattery getting a testimonial or not? Well, funnily enough, Lee, we did ask Pat uh, when we had our chat with him, which I think we're going to bring that out next weekend because I, I don't know. You're not going to Stranraer. Gordon seemed that he was very keen to go to Stranraer. Are, are you actually going to Stranraer? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm going to do my best to try and get there. Um, if I do manage... Um, then we will, even if you're unavailable, Michael, maybe Gordon and I could pull a wee show together between us. I, I um, think I'm good next Sunday because the MLS season starts on the Saturday, so I think I'll be free on the Sunday. To answer your question, I mean, Pat's deserves his testimonial, doesn't he? He does. Um, I mean, we gave one to Kev, who definitely deserved one as well, but I mean, Pat's up there now and one of our highest ever appearance makers. Mm-hmm. And for those of you... In fact, none of you will listen to Three X and not least it. But when you uh, hear Pat's interview, you're you're going to wholeheartedly say he deserves it. Pat, Pat and Kev signed at the same season, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even just on time served, absolutely. But I think 100% Pat Slattery should get a testimonial. Totally agree. 
Well, talking of Pat Slattery, we're going to finish the show up with something that we did in our chat with Pat. And we'll, we'll find a good time to release the, the full interview. We're trying to wait till there's a quiet week where we're maybe, maybe not going to do, do a show because a lot of it isn't kind of time sensitive. It's just chatting about his career and everything so far. But we've talked about doing this for players before. I've done it over here with a number of the guys. You're familiar if you've watched Soccer AM over the years, with a teammate section. So we asked for Pat Slattery's thoughts on some of his East Fife teammates over the years. We are the most reliable, definitely undeniable. It's like we're you and I about teammates, teammates, we... Right, let's get into it. I'm, I'm interested to, to hear this. So this is your, your teammate section. So you've got the opportunity to, to really stick the boot into some people here as well, which I'm sure you'll um, take the opportunity to do it. But right. we'll start off with who's, and this is your all time. So this isn't just the team just now, it's across every East Fife team, yeah. which is a lot, right? So who's been the best trainer? Are you wanting one more dancers here? Are you... Up you to you. Your choice. Right, so best trainer, right, I would say current squad best trainer is Fergie, right? Right, yeah. he's class. So, and there's, right, but then of all time, I've got two, right? Yeah. One, Kevin Smith. And the reason I would say Kevin Smith is because he's the player that you would always want in your team in training. Dunsey used to call him the pin master because he would just pin defenders and they wouldn't be able to move and he would just turn around and just tap it into the net. Um, and he was so strong. However, Kev could also be the worst trainer as well because sometimes he just did the train because he had chocolate ankles. Um, so, um, so he could also be the worst. But I would say of all time for me, it would be Chris Higgins because Higgy... Higgy was a proper pro. Higgy, every day, you know, morning, noon and night, didn't matter if it was at training because he was obviously full-time majority of his days, but, you know, he was he was exactly the same when he came to East Fife as he was when I was with him at Queen of the South. Um, so nothing had changed in his, and that's why he was able to play. Don't get me wrong, Kev's still playing as well, but that was why he was able to play for uh, full-time for so long. So Chris Higgins, best, best trainer. I am... Um... I actually have said countless times this season that we really miss Higgy this year, like, mm-hmm. and it's been noticeable. Just, and I don't even think just for his ability, but just again, I use the word gravitas. He's just that sort of person, you know. Um, yeah, he would never shut up. He, he would give yeah. you a speed, but you need that. It's, yeah. it's need that in the team. It's, it's, yeah. it's all about balance. And like I said, you have players in any team that might not do what other players can. But if you talk and you can command and you control, it brings, you know, it's it's a different level. You need it. That's what comes with a young side. Because when I was over in August, we had done the hospitality and we were down and, like, the players were coming out to warm up. And I I was watching them all coming out and going, Jesus Christ, they all look like they're 15, 16. I couldn't believe how young they were. And that was Pat. Aye. <laughs> Obviously, I can't believe how young anyone is. So it's like that's maybe not been a good example. 
Uh, I'm going bald to top my head now. It's. Uh... Why do you think I wear a hat? <laughs> I made it to 29, by the way, but um, I, I got married and had a kid. That's when my hair fell out. Um, but yeah, keep, keep... Bald, can I be a regular in the podcast? Is yes. That yes. Uh, yeah. uh, you can be on the podcast anytime you want, mate. By the way, it's like, yeah, we'll open the invitation. other two hosts. <laughs> um, open, open invitation, and yep. yeah, we're all bald on the show. Um, apart from maybe Gordon, but he's just hanging on. Yeah, yeah. just get it clippered, mate. Um, obviously, you've mentioned Kev could be a bit of a, the worst trainer, but who is the worst trainer? The worst trainer. Uh, I've played with some bad trainers, like. You can, do a, you can do a current squad and a, 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 an old time one if that's how you if want. I can remember, if I can remember, um, worst trainer uh, from the current squad. Don't even know. To be fair, to the boys this season, everyone, everyone's they, they're pretty much at it. They're all enthusiastic of all time. I would love to see Kev just because of the thing. Um, but I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't look at, I won't uh, say that. I'll say, um, I don't even know it. I'll come back to that one. Ask me another one. I'll come back, back to that one. The worst trainer is always gym trainer. Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, quickest player. Quickest player, right. I've played with a couple of quick players. Um, a good few. Surprisingly, seeing the, seeing the current squad, Aaron Steele, rapid quick. Big steal, he's quick when he gets going. Ross Dunlop was quick when he was coming in, but the the, the quickest, I would say, remember we had uh, we Nathan Flanagan? Yeah. He was rapid. Um, Craigie Thompson yeah. was, was, was rapid as well. But the quickest for me is Fash. Yeah. Purely because that season, we used to just punt it. I used to just punt up the park. Could be going to sprint, get in the end of it, run in, score. And he just made it look so easy. So easy. Um, but yeah, so I would say him. I don't know oh, if I've ever said this in the show before, but Fash used to play Sunday League. And I ran Fash I played did, against right? him. Yeah. And I played against him once. And I genuinely, like, I was like trying to catch smoke. He was at like one touch. <laughs> it's just gone. I actually think I got subbed at half time in that game. <laughs> it's absolutely destroying me. Um, slowest player. Slowest player again. That could take could take a t- bit of time. Um, slowest player. Pagey. Yeah. Oh God! Since we just re-signed him, that's, that sounds great. <laughs> he might get quicker because he's definitely not got slower. Um. <laughs> um. But the slowest, Sparky, Mark Doherty. Yeah. To be fair, to, to be fair, Mark Doherty, he could not make a mermaid. Yeah. And that's what he used to do. He used to wait until you came tight and he would just pop it through your legs and get the other side. But see if he didn't, he couldn't he couldn't run past you. So uh aye, Mark Doherty. Mark, so. Mark was good at reading the game, but yeah, there was a few times that- when we played Clyde last season, we put Jack Healy against him. I went, yeah, beauty. He's going to absolutely destroy him. But but um, ah, yeah. he just marked him at the ah. game. Just too clever. Yeah. Um, Experience, aye. Aye. Goes a long way. The biggest hard man. Hard man. Uh, again, 
I've got two right. One of them is Deco Kane. Declan O'Kane, first season. I can remember one of the first things Deco ever said to me. It was, I've never lost a 50-50. <laughs> and, and I was I just I was just like that. Oh, you're on my team. Like <laughs> And to be fair to him, he had a good few 50-50s and I've never I'd never seen him lose a 50-50. So Deco Kane and Daryl Megat. Daryl Megat is just what a player. Aye, good player, just not someone that you'd want to, you know, wind up or that. But he knows his place with me. He knows that if he gives me something like that. Aye, Daryl Megat is a hardy guy. Yeah, I, I was gutted when he left. Um, and I mean, he even had a good game. Aye, he had a good game. So, most skillful. More, most skillful um, is a guy that looks like Jesus and he could perform miracles with his feet. Lamonte. Mark Lamont. Yeah. Mark Lamont used to do crazy things like just, again, in, in training and things like that. Even in games, he used to just go past players. And even to this day, I, d- I don't know what, what foot he is, like left and right. Like, what a player. What a player. I didn't see much of him, but what I did see, I could totally understand that top player. I'll be honest with you, I thought you were going to say Healy because Jack's got some some good tricks about him as well. Um, Jack's Jack's Jack Jack's really quick, nippy as well. Um, and he's I. The thing is, I know what Jack does now. Yeah. He can still come past me, but I know what he's going to do. Um, whereas Mark Lamont, I didn't know what I could do. Mark, Mark Lamont, he, he, I didn't know what he was going to do, and he could take it both ways, and yeah. that's when, or just roll it through my legs or whatever. Jack Healy just needs that half a yard to the right, and just he'll put it in the top bin. Yeah, we've seen that plenty of times this season. Most intelligent. Most intelligent. Um, two again. Chris Kane. Yeah, Chris Kane used uh, Chris Kane used stuff. Um, very intelligent man. He works my cousin at Moss Morning. Yes, yes, yeah. I knows his stuff. Chris Kane and Murdo, Murdo. I done a, I done a, a computer course with with Murdo. Like it was put through the PFA. Um, it was just it was just one of these the kind of basic ones how to use Excel and things like that. And the the kind of teacher would explain something. Murdo straight away on it and then there'll be like there was like five other guys just sitting back like <laughs> <laughs> Murdo's like that finished and we're like what's the mouse again? <laughs> um, but aye so Murdo Murdo's quite glued up Least intelligent Jack Healy <laughs> Thick as mints <laughs> but as long as you keep scoring goals like he does on Saturday Aye. <laughs> I couldn't care how smart yeah. he was Liam Anderson stealing my pattern of the Jack Healy goal of the season's awards and trying to pass it off as his but then I heard you say in your interview to not say that because it'll go to Jack's head so I'll try and keep it down and the thing is Jack's already heard that interview as well and he actually said that to me last night he came up to me and had a wee mini go at me, tell me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to produce the goods at some point this season. Yeah, anyone but Jack. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Murdo's goal at Elgin might might take it. That was a peach. Um, so I think it could potentially be a battle of top spot for for that. And I think Jack's won at Steny, but anyway, still a long way to go. Yeah, still, still you get a forty back. yarder, and there we go. Pat, you scored a forty yarder. I'm doing a one man pitch invasion, mate. I'll be there. I'll lift you up. <laughs> Um, I'll get sent off. I'll get sent off if I scored that. <laughs> just, I totally just drive home. Just like that's quit. I quit. That's me done for them. Put my timesheet in. Best dress sense. Best dress sense. So, uh, I don't know. See, see, the older I've become, the the fashion trend has completely changed. From you know, but I'm a lad. <laughs> And and I'm I'm 29. Do you know what I mean? So, but some of the some of the clothes, I'll say Scott Mercer. And the reason I say Scott Mercer is because if the clothes that Mercer wears, I wouldn't wear them. I wouldn't wear them because I don't think I could pull them off. But Mercer used to always have this thing that he would wear something, and then like, you know, eight six weeks later, I'd see everyone else like. Wearing them, and I was thinking, how do you do that? Like, how do you do it? So I'll say Mers, and I, I think if there was someone in the fashion industry that was walking about, they'd probably say that Mers is best dressed. Worst dress sense. Scott Gallagher. <laughs> Aye, we had a we had well, we had a night out a couple of when was it? Can't remember. Last year, maybe two years ago. And he had a he had a leather jacket. It was too big for him. He gets slaughtered for it. And uh, I know his leather jackets are timeless, but that that one that that the, the time is up for that one. Um, so I think he had goofy shoes on as well. Big gal. And then went and broke his elbow during the week as well. Did you see that? Someone oh, said that to me. I think. Someone said that to me. Aye. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I don't a professional know. injury artist whose career's been blighted with football. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, best taste in music. I threw this one in. So best taste in music. Hmm. So Jack Healy controls the the music in the the dressing room. Oh jeez. <laughs> It's terrible, by the way. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard that, um, I think it was Elgin, and I was like, what the fuck is that? I'd have a migraine coming into that dressing room, mate. Honestly. Yes. And, and the thing is, see, the, see the, the, the boom box? That's like right beside, not me, but like that's right beside like the goalies, um, you know, Murdo and like Steely and stuff like that. God knows how they put up with that. The best uh, in music, I'm sure I listened, because obviously we put in our playlist for a Saturday to get mm-hmm. played. Yeah. I'm sure Steely had a couple of a couple of good songs that were on that, and I didn't realise until I actually said, whose turn was it this week, and Steely piped up. I'll go, I'll go Steely. I'll stay Steely. And worst? Jack. Jack's getting pelters. I hope he's not listening this week. Worst, worst taste in music. 
Um, it's funny because I had a, I was in, so it was last year, it was me, Watty and Hickey that, were, that would drive through from Livy. And they had completely different contrasts in music. Watty liked Rod Stewart and Oasis. Higgy likes um, Ibiza House. Like, just... I was expected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mental, mental. Rod Stewart with Watty and this. And often they had to, like, agree. It was, you know, Rod Stewart on the way to the games, house music after the games. And then the next week would flip them round. Um but no, sorry. So who's got the who's got the worst? Uh, to be honest, I didn't I didn't mind him, but Iggy's music doesn't have any lyrics, but it wasn't too fast. I wonder if there's any. Um no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. No idea. Fair enough. Who's the biggest teacher's pet? Kev Smith. Hands down. Kev got away yeah. with everything. Kev, nice guy, but he plays on it too much. He got away with everything. If he wanted a wee ankle sore, only bollocks. Save yourself for the weekend. He's got he gave, he's given a lot to the club, granted. Um, but um, he's uh, every manager liked him. Every manager liked him, but he he liked every manager as well. Like I don't know, good intentions. When. We had this list and I was thinking in my head who you might say. He was who I thought would be your answer for this. <laughs> oh, really? Teacher's pet? Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and I know Kev still listens to the show as well, so he'll be raging. So, yeah. I might need to text that. Hey, listen, I gave him a, I gave him a good word earlier, so he deserves to take the good card. Yeah, it's all right. He's going to be in the down. Northern League like next year anyway, so... Stick the boot right into him. Stick the boot right into him. Um, I, I, I mean, I, when he scored that goal against us for Bonnie Rigg and he celebrated, I seen him in the... Celebrated? Yeah, I seen him in the bar after the game and he went, was that too far? I was like, yes. Not happy. Oh, <laughs> like, you're still coming to my golf tournament. <laughs> and Aye. The, Aye. and yeah. the one, the, the Soccer AM Classic, who's the longest in the shower? Longest in the shower again to Liam Newton takes the pass. Like, um, fascist wee brother Jordan Austin. Aye, wasn't wasn't here for long, but geez, oh, that boy loved the shower. <laughs> Left a lasting impression. I was a way to say that. Left a lasting impression and a league, uh, won a league title as well. Ah, it's not bad to do that in a short time. Yeah. We are the most reliable, definitely undeniable. It's like we're you and I about teammates, teammates. We. Great stuff there from Pat Slattery, and great stuff from Pat Slattery in general on the pitch over the the last few weeks and I said Lee after we spoke to him and I mentioned it on the show last week if you've once you listen to that interview if you've ever had any doubts as to what this club means to Pat and how committed he is to this club 
you just have to listen to this interview that we've got coming up and the commitment that he's put in over the years yeah. has been tremendous. Yeah, I mean, he sort of embodies everything that you wish an East Fife player would be when you've heard that chat, you know. It, it, I don't want to give anything away, and I almost did, but you, you'll, you will understand what a, a great a great player he's been for the club and and what a great servant he's been in. And, and you know, I've, I've not had away from it from him, and, I, I, you know, you'll hear that on the show, and, I, and I've been quite honest that, you know, there's he was shoehorned into a position that wasn't his. Yeah. Um, for so long and it, it, it potentially I'm going to probably say the wrong thing here but it potentially pulled the wool over fans eyes about what he can bring to the team and I was one of them mm-hmm. you know I really was but it's just amazing to see what happens when he gets played in his position and you see again what he yep. brings to the team yeah I mean that that's exactly it he's playing in his position everything's looking good the, the thing for me Gordon when we were doing the prep for it because I, I maybe wasn't fully clued in. I couldn't believe he was just 29. I genuinely thought he was in his 30s. I mean, I, I didn't know what age Pat Slattery was, and that's just shocked me there. I was like, yeah, yeah I, I would have thought he was a, just just how long he's been at East Fife, but he was obviously very young when he signed for us, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he's had a great career. We, we'll get to that interview in a couple of weeks, and you will love it when it comes out. But that is it for this episode of Glory Days of Gold. Just go around, you guys, one last time. Any fun things caught your eyes this week? Anything you want to chat about to round off the show, Gordon? I did notice um, uh, uh, quite an interesting result from Scotland under-17s. I think they were at a training camp in Spain and they played a friendly against Switzerland and won 7-0. Oof. That's, I mean, I know it's under-17s, but like that can't kind of happen too often. No. Um, I think the one it was the, the guy Rory Wilson who's at Aston Villa. He scored a hat trick, and he's the one to look out for. But yeah, quite promising. We have had these guys before, and uh, the youth setups, and like you think back to the nineteen eighty nine under sixteen mm. World Cup here, and you had all these high hopes for these guys that were going to make the breakthrough. And I, I watched a lot of the academy stuff over here with the Whitecaps, and you've seen so many talent, and then when it gets to the adult game. For whatever reason, it's just too big a, a jump for them and they just fall away. But I mean, 7 0, that's the maybe team, something. The team in 1989, was that the one that lost to Saudi Arabia? Yeah, the big mustachioed yeah. guys. Bar, 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 was it not Bahrain or something? No, uh, Saudi, it was Saudi. Saudi. It was Saudi. Yeah. We're all about 30. Yeah, I, I allegedly. <laughs> oh, yeah. a, for, a former East Fife player in that team. Do you know who it was? Kevin Bain. Correct. Yes. I, I was at the semi at Castle in the final at Hamden. It was, like, absolutely tremendous. Who did they beat in the semis? Oh, I can't remember now. Tynecastle was packed. Folk were locked out. There was that many folk turned up. It was just an amazing atmosphere. I've got the game on VHS. I can't remember who they beat. Yeah, I'll look it up quickly just Kevin. now. Well, Lee gives his final thoughts. Kevin Bain was actually a former customer of mine. Um, he used to come and buy his phones for me. He was absolutely buzzing when I recognised him. <laughs> I was like, he used to play for his life, didn't he? Yeah, he was made up. He's a player that we could probably get on the show, actually, because um, he had a, a pretty decent career in the lower leagues and obviously had that run with the, the under-16s as well. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's by the by. And my let's all laugh at for this week is um, Emiliano Martinez from Aston Villa. 
um, who is your quintessential shithouse. Um, but, you know, basically time-wasting and lording it up against Arsenal only for the third goal to take Arsenal into the league comes crashing off the crossbar onto the back of his head and goes in. And then the fourth one, where he's gone up for the corner to try and equalise, Gabriel Martinelli runs up the park, picks up the ball and starts celebrating before he taps it in. Love it. It was Portugal that Scotland beat in the, the semis. wonder who was in their team. Must be a, Figo a was one of them. I remember Figo was definitely in that team. Um, Scotland won 1-0, 29,000 at Tyne Castle and just shy of 51,000 at Hamden for the final, which was 2-2 after extra time and then Scotland lost 5-4 on penalties. Who, who missed the penalty for Scotland? Uh, well, it actually went to a sixth round, so Paul Dickoff missed the first one oh. and the deciding one was Brian O'Neill. I mean, it was. I mean, I suppose you got to say though that you know it was nice for the Saudis to be able to, uh, nice for the Saudi players to celebrate on the park with their kids. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! My my final kind of fun thing's not football related, but every winter we have a hot chocolate festival here in Vancouver, and all the coffee shops come up with like artisan hot chocolates paired with a nice sweet treat. So, as you can imagine. With me loving sweet treats and hot beverages, I'm all over that. So did you I, have I, a chocolate digestive? None of them did that, amazingly. I need to have a yeah. coffee shop here. So it was Valentine's Day last week, obviously, and it was wrapping up. That was the last day of the festival. So I thought, I'll take my wife to a fancy French patisserie that was doing something in the hot chocolate festival. So th this is my tip for everyone, if you decide to do that. Check the prices before you've gone in and ordered. Because our two hot chocolates with... Can we guess? Some, yeah. What, what would you pay for a dark hot chocolate and three smallish uh, French patisserie treats to accompany it with? Eight quid, tops. Eight quid oh. each or eight quid for the pair? Eight quid each, because, I mean, a cost I year a five or six quid and then if it's tiny a little yeah, I wouldn't be paying any more than that but I'm going to guess it costs you about 30 quid I was thinking 12 quid if it's a you know if it's like a nice place or whatever but I assume it's going to be a lot more no you're pretty spot on it was about 25 pounds equivalent for the for the pair so like 12.50 each so it rang up at 37.80 so the other ones that we'd been going to over the festival were like 18 to 20 quid for the, the pair. So we're at the checkout and my wife had ordered and I'm getting them and then I, I just glanced down and saw the thing. I was like, fucking hell, these better be the best treats I've ever had. And were they? It was quite nice, yeah. I've, I've moved up a, a level now, so we're going to have to... Is this episode going to be called Taking the Patisserie? Oh, I like that. I haven't got a title for this one. We'll go with that. Folk will have to listen to the end to find out why. <laughs> so well done if you did. You've completed this podcast. Yes. That's it. Achievement unlocked. You get a hat. Anyway, that is it for this episode of Glory Days of Gold. We'll be back with more nonsense soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And more than the five, we are going up. Say we are going up.
Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait Broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore. But those glory days ago might return. 